This is Bible Chat. Hey guys, welcome to this special episode of Bible Chat. Um, as sort of an explanation, um, from the very beginning of this show, I've always said, you know, I wanted you guys to send in questions and um, we'll uh, go through them together, we'll learn together. That's been the whole goal of this podcast was to learn together. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, from the very beginning, I've always wanted to hear from you guys, to get input from you guys, um, and, and to learn together with you. And uh, so throughout the last few months or so, I've gotten quite a few questions sent in, and uh, I've tried to answer them on a one-on-one basis with you guys. Uh, you know, just, you know, I'll answer you guys back directly, but I've been saving them up uh, so that we could do something like this, have an episode where I answer the questions. So, you know, if there's anybody else out there with the same questions uh, and they just haven't taken the time to to send them in, well, hopefully you'll get some answers today. So that's been the whole big goal. Uh, And I'm really excited to to have just sort of a special edition of Bible Chat to to go over all this stuff with you. so for the first thing that I wanted to do, actually, it's not been a question that's been brought up, but it's one that I assume that maybe some people have. Uh, I introduce myself all the time as, you know, Caleb Sowers, and I, and I tell you guys that I'm a licensed minister. I am not a pastor, but I am a licensed minister in the Church of the Nazarene. And uh, I know throughout my own personal interactions with people that a lot of people have no idea what the Church of the Nazarene is. And so I figured I'd go ahead and use this as one of the questions in this episode. So the Church of the Nazarene is a church in the Wesleyan holiness tradition. I'm sure that in no way clears anything up for a good number of people. Um, But essentially what the Church of the Nazarene is uh, are, are Reformed Methodists. I'm sure most of you guys know what the Methodist Church is, so think of the Methodist Church, um, but a little bit more conservative than the Methodist Church. Um, Like I said, they're sort of Reformed Methodists. Um, Without going through all the articles of faith and going throughout the church history, I'll just say this. It's somewhat of a newer um, denomination because they were formed officially in 1910. out of Pilot Point, Texas. Uh, They came directly out of the American holiness movement in the 1860s, 1880s, that whole era. Uh, They were founded by Phineas Brzee. Um, When I try to explain the doctrine of the Church of the Nazarene, I will put it this way. Think of Baptists without eternal security or Pentecostals 
without speaking in tongues. And that's essentially what the Church of the Nazarene is. We're actually a large denomination, even though a lot of people don't know who they are. Uh, they're actually the largest holiness denomination in the world. And they have had an international presence from the very beginning. And we are actually a very large denomination, just not one that people are familiar with. So that's the Church of the Nazarene. <laughs> I hope that clears up a little bit about who we are. Um, and so let's get to your questions. One of the first questions that was sent to me uh, came from somebody who was wondering, what's a good schedule or plan to read the Bible in one year? Now, I'm going to answer this in two ways. First, what I would recommend is, is to... Just first get into the habit of reading your Bible every day. Uh, a lot of people uh, get very caught up in the idea of reading the Bible in a year, and that's great if you do. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to read the Bible in one year. That's a fantastic goal to have. But a lot of people, whenever they get a plan or a schedule, of, of doing something every day. They get caught up in the routine of doing it, and it sort of just becomes a, tr a drudgery or a habit rather than reading it for um, insight or for a word from God. And so what I would say first is just get in the habit of reading every day, and don't worry so much about reading the entire Bible in a year. Uh, I would really recommend first just opening up the Bible in reading and looking for something from God every day. But that being said, if you are looking for a good schedule of doing this and, and you really do want to read through the Bible in one year, um, I don't necessarily have a schedule that I do. What I would recommend is actually getting an app. Um, it's the Version Bible app. And uh, it's a free app. You can download it, and in it you can get any translation of the Bible. And there are plenty of plans in there that will get you through uh, the Bible in one year if you do it every single day. And so if that is your goal, that's what I would recommend going about how to go about doing it. But first, if you're a new Christian or you're new into trying to build this habit, the big thing is not so much how much of the Bible you read and whether you read it in a year. It's just reading it every single day and, and letting that be a blessing to you. And I hope that, you know, that answers the question on both ends. Um, another question that was sent in to me, I'm, I'm going through these one at a time right now, so hold on, bear with me for one second. Okay, so another question that was sent to me was asking if you have an unsaved family member uh, who is is living with you and just shows no interest in following God, um, reading the Bible, praying with you, anything like that. Um, what would what would my advice be in that situation? And the, you know, this is a really touchy subject. It really is. I know a lot of people who have family members who are not Christians or who are not churchgoers. Um, and, and whether that's a husband or a wife or a, you know another family member or a child, you know, it's a very sensitive subject. And I and I realize that because you can't help but worry about that person because you love them. Um, but the first thing 
that, that I would do is I would make sure that you live out your faith in front of them. That's the biggest advice that I can give. Um, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. So what I would do is I would pray, you know, I would pray and I would pray not in some showy way. Look at me, look how good I am. Nothing like that. But I would make sure that they see your sincere faith being lived out in front of them. They, that you are keeping yourself humble and obedient, that you are going to church yourself, that you are reading your Bible, that you are praying. You know, live your faith. Keep your faith. You can't have faith for a family member, but you can pray for them. You can be sincere in your faith. You, you know, you, you let your light shine before them so that they see what God is doing in your life. And it makes them more willing to give heed to, to what God is doing in you and seek that for themselves. I mean, there's no, there's no way to, to be saved for them. But you can show that God does save through your own life. And that will be so much more impacting in their lives than anything else that you do. And so that would be my advice first. And it's not a fix-all. It's not. And I understand that. And it's hard when, when you are living your life and you know the truth. And, uh, and somebody that you care about is just blind. But the big thing is just living your life, praying for that person, and let God work on them through you. And that's the big thing. <clears throat> um, another question that was sent in is... Um, if you were... Going through financial problems, a lot of people right now, especially with this coronavirus going on, there's a lot of people who uh, haven't have been out of work for quite a while now. Um, unemployment is going so slow, um, and so a lot of people just have not had any money, any income. They're just living on, you know, what they have and and sort of scraping by. And so I know that finances right now are such a stress on so many people. And, you know, I, I realize that it's one of those situations that can shake your faith. And so one of the things that I always give people, I, I know that it's not a fix-all. I realize it's not a fix-all. But this is some scripture to think on. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon 
in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what will he eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I know that this sounds like, hey, just go through life. Don't worry about things. God's got it all. And, but, and I realize that that sounds way too simple and, and unrealistic. But let me just say this. If God cared about you so much that he was willing to come down here and humble himself and wrap himself in flesh and limit himself to live a life just like any other person and then to be humiliated and beaten and tortured and crucified to save your soul. Don't you think he cares about you? And if he cares about you enough to do all of that, don't you think that he cares about you enough to know what you're going through right now and to, to be working this towards something? And I know it's not easy. And I know it's hard. And I know in my own life there have been times where I'm like, Come on, God, why are you doing this? What, what's the point of it? And I realize that many of us are probably going through that right now. But in the end, we know that he cares about us because he's proven it. And so he knows what you're going through and he cares and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. But it is going to be okay. Um, one of the other questions that was sent in was, was actually, this is an interesting question. Okay, so one of the questions that was sent in was, what is the Sabbath day? And I understand uh, that there's quite a divide on this. Uh, there is a divide on this uh, in Christianity and Judaism, but in Christianity itself, there are certain people who are divided on the subject. Um, so traditionally... And biblically, in the Bible, uh, Saturday is the Sabbath day because it recognizes that God spent six days creating everything. And then on the seventh day, he rested, which is Saturday. But in early Christianity, um, they started to recognize Sunday as the Sabbath day because of Jesus rising on the first day of the week and 
and it marking a new beginning in Christ. And so the the Christians started recognizing the Sabbath day on Sunday because of a new beginning, and it was to mark them as a new people. Um, I realize that a lot of people um, want to use all sort of uh, other arguments against it, saying that there's no new command on the Sabbath day. And one, in all reality, I'm not contesting uh, which day is the true Sabbath, one way or the other. Um, in in uh, in fact, you know, to me, we're not under the law, but under grace. So God doesn't expect us to follow the law. Uh, Paul, in in several of his epistles, writes against the expectation of Gentiles, which is anybody who's not Jewish, following the law. Uh, what's important is that we do set time aside every week, one day at least, to honor God and to gather together as the body of Christ. Um, some, you know, the in, in the idea of following the law and the law alone, you be, it's dangerous, I will say that much, because it's very legalistic. And a lot of people that argue against Sunday being the Sabbath day and us going to church on Sunday, they argue against it because they want to use a lot of um, scriptures talking about the law and the demands of the law. But you have to remember that the law contains many elements. Some are social laws, some are spiritual laws, and some honestly just need to be taken in context. The same law that says to go to temple on the Sabbath day, which is the seventh day of the week, also says you shouldn't wear plaid or eat shrimp or pork or work on the Sabbath um, at all. But here's the thing is Jesus broke a lot of those elements because he picked food on the Sabbath. He touched unclean and bloody people. Uh, he cast out demons on the Sabbath, so he worked on the Sabbath. And, and he his whole point was not that he's discarding the law but that what's important is realizing what the law was for. And it was to point out our sin. The true purpose of the law was to point out our sin and helplessness to attain holiness for ourselves and to bring us to repentance and under grace. That's the actual purpose of the law. And that's why it's not supposed to be abolished. You're not supposed to ignore the law, but what the law stands for is to point out your helplessness. You can never attain holiness or perfection under the law. It will never happen. Nobody but Jesus Christ himself could ever attain that. And so it points out our sin and it brings us to repentance and brings us under grace. So, my point is Jesus said to follow him, and his example was to submit to the Father. And I don't believe that God personally really cares whether we go to church on Sunday or Saturday. It doesn't matter so much, but it's, it's and, then, and that's really what it boils down to. There's, there's always going to be people who interpret certain things, differently. And those are secondary issues. The main thing is to realize that we'll, no matter what, uh, 
we're not going to get to heaven on our own, that we are sinners, that we are imperfect, and that Christ died for us, and that only through accepting his sacrifice and repenting of our sins will we make it to heaven. And everything else, there's there's room to question things, I think, but those are the main things, that, that, that God sent his son here to die for us so that we could be saved and be brought back into communion with him. Like I said, there's you can go either way on an issue like what day is the Sabbath, but in the end it doesn't matter as long as we are taking that time to gather and honor him and setting that day aside. At least to me, that's <laughs> that's what I believe. Um, another question that was sent in was about Noah. Uh, it was the question about Noah being uh cursing his son because why was his son cursed and banished when noah was the one that was drunk and naked in the first place and it's not his son's fault that he walked in and saw him naked well if you and this is a good question because i've wondered that before but you actually have to read that pretty carefully um and so let me pull that up real quick before I answer the question, and we'll read this together, and then go through it. <laughs> Alrighty, let's see. It's going to be in Genesis... Chapter 9, and we'll start in verse 18 and just read down uh, a little bit. So verse 18 of Genesis chapter 9. Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these three the whole earth was populated. Then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his, of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away, so they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. And so he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants. He shall be to his brothers. Oh, a servant of servant he shall be to his brothers. And he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived 350 years after the flood. So, the, the 
main problem here was that Noah's son Ham was cursed and his son was cursed, uh, not because he saw Noah naked, because that was probably accidental. I mean, I, I'm sure that nobody was planning on walking into Noah's tent and seeing him naked. That wasn't the plan. But instead of just covering him and leaving and and keeping it to himself what he does is he goes and he gets his brothers and he tells them and honestly if you read that um it, it's possible that what he did is he told his brothers and he was sort of mocking noah hey you know dad's in there he's passed out drunk and he's completely naked guys that's isn't that funny sort of thing is is kind of the impression that you get but no matter what, whether he mocked him or not, what he did instead of covering him up is he went and told his brothers and left him there like that. And, and that's the problem is he brought shame to Noah and Noah was God's prophet. And so he should have been honored. And, and even if he wasn't God's prophet, it's his father. So we all know that you're supposed to honor your parents, not shame them. And what he did is he shamed him. And uh, Shem and Japheth, what they do, they very elaborately cover their father and they turn their faces away. They don't want to see him. They don't want to add to his shame. They cover him up. They turn their faces away and they leave. And they don't make a big deal out of it. They don't tell anybody else about it. They leave. And so Ham is cursed and his son is cursed because of bringing shame to his father. Um, it's... it's uh, it's a shame what he did, honestly. After everything that he saw, after seeing how much God had blessed and honored Noah, he is willing to shame him. And so, anyway, guys, that'll be it. Uh, th I hope that um, this encourages some of you to send in questions. Um, if you do, I will most likely answer them one-on-one, -on -one, but also I will take the time to keep them, gather them together, and then we can go through them in another episode like this. So not only are you helping yourself learn, but anybody who is listening to Bible Chat will then also be learning, hopefully right alongside you, which is kind of cool. Got to admit it, it's kind of cool. Um, I really enjoyed doing this today. It was fun to set time aside to answer questions, and I hope that it will be a blessing to you guys as well. Um, if you want to send in questions for a future Q&A and for one-on-one -on -one answers, you can get a hold of me uh, either on the Facebook page. Uh, you can message me directly on there. You can get a hold of me through Patreon. And if you're old-fashioned or you have a really long question or a list of questions, you can email them to the show at BibleChatPodcast84 at gmail.com. And I promise you, we will answer them. We will go through them one-on-one uh, -on -one as well as in a future episode. Um, as always, I am your host, Caleb Sowers. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, guys, if you didn't do it before, I wanted to take the time again. If you enjoy uh, Bible Chat, first off, please like the Facebook page and follow along on there. But also um, take the time to, uh, to subscribe and share the show. That all helps us to spread, to gather more listeners, to spread the word. And also, um, it helps 
us to have a wider audience, which means more input, which means more questions, which means a wider variety of topics. All of those are good things. But also, if you enjoy the show and you listen all the time, I know I'm not uploading as regularly as I was in the beginning, but I wanted to recommend my buddy Dave Ryder, who has his own podcast, which I really do recommend you guys follow as well and listen to if you're looking for something a little bit more frequent than we are, and it's called Everyday Theology with Dave. Guys, follow along. He really is fantastic. He takes basic theological elements and then boils them down so that they relate to your everyday life, which is exactly what the <laughs> what we all need, no matter how far along in our Christian walk we are. And so I cannot recommend him enough. Again, it's Dave Ryder, and his podcast is called Everyday Theology with Dave. And he really is a fantastic guy. It's a good podcast, and I really do recommend it. But anyway, until next time, guys, uh, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much for the questions. Send in more, and uh, I guess uh, we'll get to them <laughs> when you send them in. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I'll be talking to you again soon. This is Caleb Sowers, and you're listening to Bible Chat.